This is episode number 12 on the Follow Your Flow podcast. If you're a parent, a teacher, or simply have young people in your life and you're looking for support on how to have the period talk with them without feeling awkward, then you will want to check out the CycleWise Parents online course that at the time of recording this episode will be available very, very soon. This is a comprehensive course that re-educates you on periods and the intricacies of how women's bodies work, bringing wonder and awe and a richness back into this topic, whilst giving you the confidence to share it with the young people in your life in a way that is real and relatable and potentially even inspiring. The release of this course is coming up very soon, so make sure you've signed up to the newsletter to be the first to know. Okay, so into episode 12, what is missing from sex education today? Unfortunately, young people are getting their education on sex and their bodies in places that do not offer a wholesome and supportive understanding on this topic. With access to phones, internet and readily available porn, so many young people are completely disconnected from their own bodies and to a point where they're using outside forces to inform them of how to be in relationships and how to be with their bodies. In this interview, I speak with gender expert and social educator Raquel Andras, who beautifully outlines what is in fact missing from sex ed and what is needed to support young people to come back to using their own inner compass to navigate relationships and sex and to set standards based on knowing the love that is within their own bodies. Raquel makes all of this very real, which is very refreshing and very much needed on a topic that so many feel completely lost with. So I know you're going to really enjoy this episode. Let's head over now to hear more from Raquel. You're listening to Follow Your Flow. Your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation, and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner, and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what is missing from sex education. And my guest today is all the way from Spain. I've got Raquel Andras here with me, who is the co-founder and director of Indira Foundation and heads up the Indira Gender Consultancy. She is an entrepreneurial, dedicated, client-oriented gender and educational professional with more than 20 years of professional experience gained across international cooperation, uh, gender equality and education with diverse stakeholders across Europe, Latin and Central America. So Raquel focuses on empowerment strategies, introducing body awareness and self-care as an essential category of value creation, specifically in the area of reproductive and sexual health and gender-based violence. Working with youth, she focuses on the normalization of violence and the impact normalized abuse has on young people and their understanding of gender equality, empowerment and well-being. So super excited to have you here on the show, Raquel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Sarah. A pleasure to be here. So you're the founder of Indira. So obviously you were inspired or motivated by something that you were seeing to establish this organization. So what was inspiring you or motivating you? What were you seeing out there that, that, that this was needed, this organization was needed? 
Yes, I mean, my whole professional life was basically an unfolding because things were presented to me. So I never had the plan to work in this area or that I kind of focused on it. It was like unfolding. I first studied to be a social educator and from there I moved more into the area of international cooperation and I lived many years abroad in Latin America. And I did a lot of grassroots work with very poor women. And um, I realized there that um, the main um, problems are not, um, let's say, with, with the, the, the people who are expressing the, the um, inequalities and the lack of well-being and um, yeah, the major problems they have or even the violence. Um, and so I moved on to work more on an institutional level and I went into policy making more or advising no? policy making and more on the institutional level. But at some point I realized that um, yes, we live in a system that teaches us what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And it is very insidious in this. And there are many, many structural aspects that are literally oppressing us and making us live in a way not knowing who we truly are, following images, ideals and beliefs. But that at the end of the day, um, it is very important to focus on the individual as well because there is a lot of power in the individual and in, um, in the connection to the body. So I realized a lot that many of the ill beings we are facing in society are related to how we face the normal day-to-day -day activities and the choices we make on a daily level. And I started to look a lot at what abuse and violence actually means and where it comes from, because we are so used to look at the extremes because they are so horrendous. I mean, today we have the most horrendous aspects and disgusting aspects of violence and abuse around and specifically against women. But um, I started to look at, so, um, what is the whole picture of it and what is fostering that we can reach this extreme levels of abuse. And there I came to looking at, um, yeah, the simplicity of how we live life and our daily choices. And I mean, there is this saying that abuse and violence is part of a pyramid and um, anything or any level of it is part in this pyramid. So it doesn't matter if we look at femicide, massive aggression and sexual abuse, mutilation, or if we look at a sexist joke, it's all part of the same and contributes to the same. And um, yeah, that way I came more and more to the understanding um, how to work at like kind of both levels. So not focusing only on the very needed rights and the laws and the, the changes in the policy making and the support from that side. But I started to focus much more on how to support the individual to basically learn to live and choose for their well-being. And in this context, um, we founded also the Indira Foundation because we felt that, yeah, that it was a very needed aspect to look at. And in that way, um, I didn't really um, find an organization who was doing it in that way. And um, that was our focus in, in Indira and it took some time to unfold and uh, we learned a lot. It was a process of common learning. We have many, many partners we work with. It's very beautiful. We work all over Europe and also internationally. And it's a constant learning process of deepening and yeah, bringing this all together. Wow, amazing. So, <clears throat> so you've actually, you've really looked at the big picture um, really addressing, like you say, the policies and looking at 
looking at gender gender equality and and just the ideas around gender and violence from a very big picture perspective but i love what you're what you've come to and the focus of that making that very personal because it actually does start on a very personal level doesn't it yeah it's you know we i mean i work as a gender expert for over 20 years and i don't i i'm not only working with young people i work a lot with adults as well and i work a lot in institutions and i did a lot of um, gender training um, with people as well and um specifically with young people that's that's a specific focus we have like in the last um, eight years and you realize that you can go to school i mean we are called a lot into school for any kind of um, problems going on from direct violence or discrimination bullying um, for sex education all those aspects and what you realize when you work with them is that because our education system trains us to learn something and then to repeat it, to memorize it and to tell you then how it is. So when you work with young people on violence and abuse and what is actually going on, they are very good at learning it. And you can even make a test with them and ask them and they tell you exactly what it is. But then you finish the class and you go out and you see them in the pathway and they are kicking and pushing and insulting each other. And there is nothing of what you taught or what you work with them is embodied. So what we realize in our work is that there's a massive gap between um, to learn something and to embody something, which means to live it, to really apply it to your life. And I mean, we see this in the whole education system. I mean, we have an amazing education system. We can learn many, many amazing things, but then most people are not really equipped for life, for dealing with life through this. So, and this is, I mean, similar to also connected a bit to the sexuality education is we learn a lot in whatever area you look, we learn a lot about function and um, how to, yeah, to function well in human life. And we have really mastered this and it's amazing and there's nothing to fault it, but there is something missing. And this missing link um, uh, is really, really exposed when you work with young people because they're quite lost in it. And I mean, Basically, they reflect us what we are missing in the whole of society, but they are really exposing it. And you can see it kind of, um, it, yeah, it, it goes into them, but it goes out. It doesn't stay. And this is um, why we kind of started also to focus on, on body awareness and um, self-care and the individual, because we said there is something about the way we live in society that makes us live disconnected. And um, uh, there are many valuable things we, we, we need for life and um, we are missing out of them. Yeah. I mean, everything you're saying just makes so much sense because we've got, you know, the influence of the ever-expanding porn industry, for example, and that being accessible at younger and younger ages. Um, we've got the objectification and the sexualization of women and of men too. And even though we're, I guess, a so-called advancing and progressive society, we still have very gender-based roles and stereotypes in society. Yeah, we just don't appear to have very fulfilled and wholesome awareness of understanding sex that actually translates to something that young people are then going to, like you say, live, you know, and actually apply. So how do you, how do you do that? What do you, what do you teach them or what, what is actually missing? I mean, you talked about body awareness. So can you talk a little bit more about that and how, how young people, how that actually supports them to get more of an accessible understanding of, of themselves, I guess? Yeah, the thing is with, I mean, with the sexuality education is that 
as I said before, it is very, very function-based. And But the, the thing is also, it is basically sorely lacking in most educational systems. So we, we don't have it at all. It's kind of a topic that is ignored. And it is there also comes in a lot families and, and parents because it is a topic that is silenced. And, um, and if you talk to parents, it's, it's an awkward topic for them. They don't want to talk about it. And this is nothing um, to criticize them. It is that nobody talked with them about it. And it's, it's not an open topic uh, to talk about. And the same with teachers. They are throw in, thrown in there and they have to do it. But how do you talk about something and how do you transmit something to young people if you don't live it? And this is what we have to look at. We have, and what you just mentioned with a massive um, porn industry, I mean, if you don't take care um, of a topic or of an area in your kid's life, society takes care of it. Or there are other, I always say, there are other outer forces who take over. And this is what porn did, because nobody ever... Um, opened up to what is actually happening with the body, what is actually going on. And then the porn industry came in. And um, now young people have found their way to learn about sex, but it's a very specific way of sex they learn. And um, this is massively um, adding to the gender stereotypes. And they basically learn that sex is abuse, degradation, and objectifying the bodies and making it all about functional pleasure and um, how to best stimulate very sensitive organs to, to get a, um, a high and then a relief with this. And we basically can say that sex has become a commodity in our society. It's something you look for, you get it, you get your relief, and then you move on. And um, this is the way how we teach or how they get taught sex. But this is also the way how we as adults more or less have accepted to become sex or, or our relationship with sex has become the standard in our society. So basically the young people are doing what we are living as the adults. So this is the first thing we have to be aware of because if we, if we are worried about, I mean, we have young boys starting eight to 10, starting to watch porn. So if we are worried about it, we should ask us the question, why are we worried about a young boy watching porn? And what is the difference if, it, if it's eight or 10, 15, 25 or 50 year old watching porn, if this is the accepted standard in our society? So then let's watch the little boy, the porn, because this is where he's heading to anyway. But what the little boy shows us basically is how horrible it actually is and how horrible it also is uh, for a 50-year-old to just use sex as a commodity and um, to find a kind of relief in it. So what we say is... Um, there is definitely sex education missing and not only the function-based sex education, if in kind of in advanced schools you have sex education, but it is all about function and protection. So you learn how to use a condom, how to not get pregnant, how to protect yourself from sexually transmitted diseases, all super important aspects. We have to teach them. It's, it's very, very important but we don't teach them about relationships and we don't teach them or, and this is not even teaching them in school. They don't learn from a young age how to relate to their bodies and how to relate from the quality they have in their own bodies from there to others. And this is what we address with our sexuality education. We say it is not a physical function that starts to kick in when when you are start developing your body more and more in adolescence it is actually a relationship you have with your body and we have 
a society where we basically are brought up and focusing on, I mean, we have a highly competitive society. Um, we are all trying to get recognition through um, what we do, what we are able to produce, how to be successful. I mean, the whole system is about this, but we have very little that focuses on how do you feel actually in all this? So we, we have, I mean, we have basically abandoned a bit or a bit or totally that we are feeling beings, that we feel first. And if our feeling is not nurtured, so our awareness and what we feel, what is going on, if that is not nurtured, we develop coping mechanisms and we develop a lot of mechanisms to protect and defend ourselves and to um, basically um, make our way through life. But by doing this, we become very hard and, um, and pushy and, and yeah, we, we are kind of like this little warriors in life, how to get through life. And with this, we ignore more and more that in truth we are feeling beings and that we have a massive awareness. And what happens in this is because we are lacking the connection to our very own body and the connection also, the social connection with, with, with other people, we are craving constantly love and connection. And, but because we are not really offered it, you find a lot of replacements. And from my point of view and from what I observe, and porn is a massive filler for the lack of love and connection. You go there and, and you get your relief and then you feel satisfied. But this is also why it is so highly addictive, like other aspects that are addictive, which have a similar structure, because it only holds for a short while and then you feel empty again and then you have to go again and this is the problem we are born and we are basically so filled with all these gender stereotypes and how we have to be as a man or as a woman what we have to perform in life and what is all life about and what we have to um what success is and yeah what it all means that and these ideals and beliefs and images, they make us feel empty. And this emptiness then we try to fill in. We basically have generated this massive feedback loop where we are kind of turning around and around constantly. And, and then if you look at social media, that's the best um, uh, uh, um, tool or it's the best way uh, uh, to see how this feedback loop um, functions because we basically develop this massive um, uh, news feed, or I don't know, you can say it like kind of, it's this massive media. It's like kind of the mass media of, of the normal citizen. And um, we hype ourselves in objectifying our bodies and bringing it out there and then we see it. And then we kind of get the reflection of the fake, what we put on there. And then we try to keep up with this. And so we, we are in this constant loop. And so what is happening is that there is no reflection point out there in the world that shows us that we can go to our inner connection, our inner power, and that we are very powerful there and that the fulfillment lies within us that we don't have to look on the outside. So what we work with young people, first of all, is to say, so if you want to have a relationship with someone, because we work with teenagers who want to go or start going into intimate partner relationships, we say, but what is actually your relationship with yourself? So because the relationship we have with ourselves sets the foundation for what I accept from others. I set the foundation for how I want to be treated in my very own body. And if I go through life and learning, I can take the example, for example, of a girl who learns from a young age that 
Um, she's not enough how she is. She always needs to be nice. She needs to be pleasing. She needs to fulfill what others they say. And then she learns that her body is an object and she needs to put it out there. Um, so we learn all those things and they start copying this. And then we believe that this is what it means to be a woman. And um, so we create this emptiness and we lose connection to the body. And so what we do is we go to very basics with young people and say, how are you actually connected to your body? What do you feel? What can you do on your daily basis um, to reconnect to that how you feel inside is determined by an outer world and an inner world that gives you constantly information about how to feel, who to are, how to feel and um, who you are um, and what, what you're supposed to do. So um, we do very basic exercises with them and, and incentive them to reflect on it and to start to observe their life. So that, for example, start observing when you go, when you're the whole, whatever, you're a couple of hours in Instagram. So stop and feel, how is your body feeling? What is going on actually? Or for example, we work a lot with the myth and aspects of romantic love because romantic love is very strongly linked to violence because it has very strong um, aspects in there. So we look with them at and say, so if you watch a romantic movie, how do you feel after? Do you go around and dream of this gorgeous boy or this amazing girl you meet and you become this amazing couple? So we basically make them aware of that their thoughts and often their emotions, the, the choices they take are not theirs, but that they are kind of fed ideals and beliefs all the time and that when they reconnect back to their body, they can go, they basically can put themselves back into the driver's seat and they can start observing what is going on. So they are not anymore, we say like kind of life is then not anymore done to you, but you start doing life. Yeah, You start deciding on your life and we do with them very simple exercises, for example, um, we start with them, for example, a very simple breathing technique because we say the first thing when the outer world affects me, the first thing that changes is my breath. We, we know this all from a critical situation. We start breathing heavily. If we are sad or if we are excited, it affects our breath. So we say just start watching your breath and if you, I mean, we work a lot in the violent prevention. So with young boys, for example, if you feel that your breath gets heavy and you get um, angry, so stop and watch your breath because this shows you that something from the outer has affected you and it starts changing you. And then you can also see it, look at other body symptoms, which is, which is going on that you go hard or, you kind of get get kind of a headache or you you just yeah you just cramp in your body i mean we we work this with them and they kind of come up with with how they feel and we let them experience so basically what we do a lot is we bring them back to start feeling and becoming aware that their body is communicating to them and that they can explore it and that it is very beautiful to observe um, this and to start simply living more, being more aware that our body is a massive resource of information and that our body um, supports us massively in how to be in life and how to be in life um, from a from an approach that, yeah, you could say that keeps you on the front foot. So you're not so much the victim of life because this is what happens a lot, that life happens to them and then they react to it. So 
you show them a bit how they can be a bit more through observing, they can be a bit more upfront of life and, and start seeing it a bit more from a, from a perspective of the observer and not so much of, you know, being totally in it and not knowing how to handle it. Mm, wow. Gosh, there is so much in what you just said. Um, but what I was feeling was that it's actually, essentially what you're talking about is the foundations for life that everyone should really have. Um, so, you know, sex education is, is really life education from what I'm hearing you say, and it just makes so much sense. But also then to see that, you know, that there is, it's, it's just like such a setup because um, there is so much stimulation, so much distraction, so much out there that takes us away from that, that simplicity of that connection that you're talking about that we're all actually craving. But, you know, I guess just searching, searching for it in the wrong way, I guess you could say. Yeah. And the thing is that we have to see everything in life as an opportunity to, um, to get us back into the driver's seat and to make our choices. So what we basically said is sex education is crucial. I mean, it happens in an in a, in a age um, which we, many changes are occurring. And it's super important to support people there and we said that sex education can offer a foundational support for young people in the development of intimacy, loving relationships, appreciating and understanding the body, and with this learning to live true health and well-being. So we said, why don't we take this, which is massive because it's, I mean, there's so much happening with these young people at that time, and offer them the opportunity to grow and, and develop, develop from there. And you could even say sex education, I mean, from my experience perspective, it starts in primary school or even in kindergarten. You can, you can uh, look at it because it is all about um, building a relationship with your body. And in this, it is super important. I mean, what we do a lot is we look at what constitutes actually abuse in our lives and what is abuse and what is self-abuse so um i mean self-abuse they all say it is um the the cutting and that you do harm to yourself but we actually look with them at um self-abuse is standing in front of the mirror and criticizing yourself and um always feeling that you're not good enough and which comes from this, all, all these images and the, the, all, the input we have constantly. But if a young girl is so used to criticizing herself constantly and then um, a partner comes or a possible partner comes being it another girl or another or a boy, whatever she chooses in her sexual orientation, um, she will be so appreciative of any attention she will get that she will have a very low standard of what she will accept this relationship is built on. And if the partner or the possible partner is dismissive with her, she will understand it or she will accept it because she is dismissive with herself all the time. Or if there comes a critique about her outfit, um, or about her figure or whatever, this is then her normal because she does it all the time. So she doesn't even have the capacity to detect kind of abusive behavior because she herself is so much abusive with herself. And then add to this all the myths and um, aspects we learn about romantic love, that jealousy is a approval of love that control is just because they care so much about you this fits all perfectly in if you have a body that is not in love with 
itself. And this is where every, yeah, from any angle, then abuse can come in. And then you also have to see, um, we learn a lot, a lot from, from our homes and from, from parents. I mean, if you grow up in a family where it is normal to have arguments all the time and yell at each, at each other and you're never listened to, then you find it normal that other people yell at you because this is what you do. And if you have lived in an environment where it's normal when you get aggressive, that you trash the TV or bottle or um, hit the wall or um, kind of express in physical violence, then you find it's normal when probably the boy is doing this as well because this is part of being a man that you have learned. So you also have to see that what we learn is so much which we then consider as normal. And this is fostered constantly from our outside. So basically you could say there is no way out because we are surrounded by this. And yeah, the only way out is to really reconnect to yourself because this is what, what is mainly ignored in our society is that we are within our body. There is it, our body is a massive power source, which is basically not recognized. And that um, basically the love and connection we seek on the outside, we can build on the inside and then we are not anymore kind of, yeah, so much the victims of what is, I don't know if victims is the right word, but then we are not so much any... At the mercy, at the mercy. At the mercy, life. thank you. That's at the mercy of life. That is, a, is, a, is well said. And we, we, we have like kind of an inner compass which guides us. And then the outer is, because if, if you grow up and you don't have this inner compass, you don't have any other choice than going by what's on the outside. What, what, what are you going to do? You, you don't have an inner compass. You need to go by what is on the outside. So what is so important is to teach them that they do have a massive power source within them. And then if they decide to activate this, life becomes very simple around it. And it is, it is greatly supporting. However, there is one aspect which we always talk with them about, which is very important and which makes it so difficult because it is not easy. And we always tell them, if you are not enjoying the abuse and the mainstream um, way of life that is going on, you are not very popular. Um, you might be... Um, criticize, you will get um, that they call your names or things because you're not enjoying this, yeah? So, for example, I talk to young girls who decide to not start with 13, 14 to have sexual relationships with boys because they don't feel like and they, they are more connected to their bodies. So I have them sitting front in front of me crying because they say um, I'm bullied, that I'm a stupid virgin, that I'm frigid, that I don't know anything. And, um, and then, I mean, we work with them and I ask them, so, okay, but what's wrong about being a virgin? So we talk with them about things like this and, and they really truly feel that nothing is wrong with it and that they want it. Um, and they, they, they put their bodily integrity first, but that the pressure is massive from the outside to join in. And then they even say that all their friends who are doing it are not sharing any, or most of them are not sharing that it's pleasurable or that they like it, but that they do it and they themselves are pushing the girl into it. Because, I mean, you also have to see it's also a double sided sword you could say if you can say this if most of the friends are doing it and one is not doing is the one who's not doing is is giving the other ones the reflection that you can choose for your bodily integrity and the ones who didn't 
they, they might be very challenged by those reflections. So they are pushing her into it. And the one who stays on the outside, she wants to be like her friends. And you know how it is with young people. It is, it's not an easy, it's, it's not an easy relationship. And, um, Young people need a lot of support with this, but not a lot of moral support. So it's not a question of morality, but it's a question of um, learning how to be with your own body. So, for example, um, what parents could do with um, young people could be, or with their young um, daughters and sons, could be supporting them in um, becoming aware of how their body feels. So I don't know when the girl starts going out with boys, ask her, how was it? How does it feel when the boy touches your hand? How does it feel when he touches your body? Do you feel okay with it? Or do you feel uncomfortable with it? But without any judgment or I mean, how does it feel when, I mean, when he kisses you? Do you like it? Does it, is it, is it weird? Do you find it disgusting? What is it like talking with them about it? They will find it weird because you're the parent and they're not used to, but just jump into the, to the pool and to the cold water and just do it. And they might laugh at you, but even though if they don't answer the parent and um, they become aware that they can pay attention to it, that those things feel weird and that they don't have to get used to the weird feeling, but that they can choose that this is a weird feeling and that they don't want it. Because if not, because it's something new, they believe they have to get used to it. So, and this is, I mean, this also is a massive call for parents to also revise their loving relationship and connection with their kids. Because, for example, what I asked my daughter, who is a 15-year-old teenager as well, I asked her if the boy hugs you or touches you, does it feel like when we snuggle up in bed, do you feel the same when he holds you as when I hold you? And she has a marker from how I'm loving and physically with her, which makes her feel totally unimposed, totally safe and loved for who she is. So this is her marker. And then she can see, oh, with the boy, it feels different. And then she has the possibility to establish her own markers and, and, and just the possibility to be a, be able to observe what is actually going on in my body to become aware that life is not about um, pushing through things and just getting used to things, but that you can develop your own marker. And I mean, for example, ask them also if they kind of have, have had already something with different boys, ask them, how was it when you were kissing this boy? And then the other one, um, Things like kind of, how are they with you? How do you feel with it? And why do you go there? Is it because you feel pressure to do it? Or do you really like the boy? So it's, yeah, I mean, this everybody also has to see a bit. And I mean, we do in, in schools with boys and girls, we also do um, separate groups of girls and boys to give them the safe space to talk also about those things because it's not very easy for them to talk about it when they're all together because they are all this peer pressure and role models um, behavior. You know, they have their, they have their um, patterns, how they have to behave also within the um, different girls and boys groups but it's it's less and they feel a bit more open to talk about it and with boys it is is it's equally important boys when they enter puberty they are basically obliged to let go of their sensitivity because um a boy's sexuality is hyper sexualized we always think that girls are 
sexualized because there's such a big objectification of the female body. But the boy is extremely sexualized. He is not allowed to feel tender and sensitive when he enters puberty. He, because his sexuality is um, basically threatened um, when he stays sensitive and he is considered uh, a fag or a, they say you're gay, you're not a real man. So his feeling of being a man is, is highly threatened. And I talk to young boys or young men like 13, 14, who um, one told me that he thought for a long time that he must be gay because he felt sensitive and he maintained it. And then he got a kind of sexual identity um, uh, doubts because um, he liked girls, but then he said, but how I am as a man, I cannot like girls because everybody tells me I have to like boys if I'm not violent and rude and in that way. So um, he really had to learn that this is a way of being a man, which is not reflected to him, but it is totally perfect to be that way and that he is a man um, and that it is beautiful that he expresses is. And, um, but he also then gets the, the peer pressure feedback that he is the sensitive and tender. So most girls um, are not interested in him because they are looking for the other guys because girls are so focused on the dominant masculine picture that they don't look for a guy who is not um, in behaving in this pattern. So he then comes into this conflict of saying, but if I stay who I am, I'm not very kind of successful with girls, but they want to be. So it's, you have to see it is, it is not an easy process, but it is um, absolutely possible. And it is a beautiful unfolding. And what is so beautiful with the young to, to talk with them about and to, to learn with them together and there come in the parents and the teachers. So this is what we all together um, have to bring is that it is, um, that it is not about um, fitting into all the pictures and it's not about being popular because you join in the abuse, but that your own well-being is so much more important and gives you so much more quality of life um, than joining into that yeah absolutely it's such a it's such an unraveling isn't it like there's just so many layers that are woven on top of you know this this precious connection that we all have and it just is yeah you can feel the the um how it is really just a process of really unraveling I guess and and I was also feeling how important it is for the parents you know and the teachers as well mm. but just to to set that standard you know to actually be be a living example of what standard where we we would want for our children you know and for them to actually feel what's possible so in terms of like parents supporting them it's really that, I mean, you gave some beautiful examples of the conversations to have, um, the questions to ask, which is just, you know, so valuable. But I can feel that the, the real value comes from them actually feeling something being lived. Um, and that's mm. something that's not necessarily said in words. Yeah, and also... As the parents, it's a great opportunity to also cut with this parent-kid consciousness that you are always having the answers and that you have lived it and then you know it and all this, yeah, what we have in there. Go with your, um, um, with your, with your teenager on, on, um, on, on, on one level. Stop trying to be the, the experienced life expert because you probably are not on this. 
And I had a beautiful conversation. It was, um, we enjoyed it so much. We laughed so much with the mother and the daughter. We sat together and um, we said, so imagine now you have to do your first sex talk with your daughter. And the mother was started giggling and the daughter as well. And the daughter said, oh, probably mom has to first sit with grandmother because um, they never did it. And mom is kind of really awkward around sex. And then the mother started laughing and said, yeah, I probably can learn more from my daughter. And for me, it was always kind of a really weird thing. And so start being honest also. If you don't have an open and clear feeling about it, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't want to incentive you to make a therapy with your kids out of it. It's not about that. But be very simple and open about what you know, what you don't know. Ask them things and be open or share with them. I mean, you don't have to share any kind of intimate details. Um, but share with them your own insecurities. How did you feel as a teenager? And you said, I didn't know that. Or um, I felt very scared by that. Or become vulnerable with your kids and open and um, get them on the, on the same level. This also empowers them highly um, to, to take their own life more with more responsibility and sit there and be open. And some kids might be open and ask you things and it might be a bit embarrassing sometimes, but um, get out into the open. There's nothing wrong about being honest about what's going on and, other kids might not want to talk and they find, find it awkward. So then don't force it onto them, but show them that you're open and um, it doesn't have to be kind of, um, as I shared before, it's not detailed sexual uh, details, um, but just about their relationship with their body. So talk about that. What is your relationship with your body? Start observing your own body and um, because it's not something that the adults are having all. I mean, we live in this disconnected society. The adults are just managing it better. They know how to deal with it. We have all these coping mechanisms. And I mean, what we call a good functioning adult is someone who has the best coping mechanisms to go around in life. It's not that they have a fulfilled life and that they live a high well-being. They just know how to cope. And, um, and this, is, this is a great opportunity with your kids to, to revise your own coping mechanisms and become more honest with yourself. Yeah, I love that. And when I'm talking to parents about talking to their children about menstruation, that's exactly what we talk about. It's just about being very real and, you know, talking about your own experiences, talking about your own um, insecurities and that are probably still there you know that that hasn't been actually cleared or um you know talked about for a very long time so it's 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 about being very real and very honest as you say is is can be can be what actually cracks people open you know it actually supports that um very natural conversation that can sometimes you know you think is going to be really weird and awkward but it's just when you actually approach it from a place of being very real and through your own experiences it's very relatable and supportive for young people absolutely and it's so important because I mean what you just said and you do this amazing work on menstruation and women's health it's I mean, what I see with young people is, I mean, with young women, but also with young men, because nobody really knows about menstruation and it is still this curse. It feels like we're still in the middle ages with it. Um, every young girl, I mean, I could say almost every young girl, I say almost because I, for sure there are some not. At a very young age, they have all painful periods they feel it is a curse, they find it's disgusting, they're totally rejecting it, and they don't know how to handle it. And then you also have to see that the whole education system is absolutely not supporting them. They're not allowed to go to the bathroom. Uh, There is no toilet paper in most bathrooms. There is even the whole kind of basic 
human needs aspect around your period is so uncomfortable that you just don't want to have it because there is no nurturing space around where you could feel comfortable with your period. And period is all about making it disappear. I mean, even the pads and the tampons and all this advertising about period is all about how can I make the period, when I have my period, how can I make it a normal day like every day and pretend nothing has happened? And this is so harming for young women. This is the worst thing you can do. And instead of saying, okay, this is a very important moment in your monthly cycle and you have to take a specific um, or a more deeper care of yourself. And for example, the school needs to support girls for this. And um, of course, then you see the teachers tell me, yeah, we cannot do it because then they take advantage of it. Okay, so then work with them on responsibility. But, and, um, but you cannot just um, push them in such a corner that they are basically um, forced to deny their period because it's so horrible to be at school with it. And then they stay home. Yeah, most of them are on medication from a very young age. And they are really suffering and they don't see any good in, in, in the period. So there is, this is a whole other topic where um, we, we work with girls around it as well. And we also work with boys to get the understanding of it as well. Um, where it, for me, this is a whole very important topic within sexuality education the, to look at the female cycle and the importance and what it actually means for a woman, the female cycle, and how to embrace it and, and live it in full without feeling um, or focusing on the supposedly negative parts and, yeah, and learn to, um, to, um, to embrace it. And not only, that's also a very important thing, it's like kind of, that the female cycle is only for reproduction, for having babies. This is, this is also already such a harming kind of myth from my perspective that is around, that it is, it's, it's all around this function-based aspects around it and not seeing how your cycle can actually support you in your well-being, in having a healthy relationship with your body, how your cycle is actually an amazing compass you have in your own body that can support you to observe your body and to get to know your body deeper and to really learn from your body and then live with your female cycle and have it as a strength that empowers you and not something that puts you down and you want to get rid of. Yeah, gosh, absolutely. Just so on the same page with you there, menstruation is is gets a very bad rap, unfortunately, and, and girls don't understand the value of what is actually inside their body, like they have access to every single day of every single month. So it's... um. It's definitely, you know, something that, you know, perhaps we could even talk about this in another episode um, because we will have to wrap it up now. But yeah, there's, there's a lot there that I feel like we could continue talking about at another stage. Absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, what you've presented to us through this conversation has been just hugely valuable on so many levels and and I feel like there's probably, you know, parts of what you've said that could be expanded into, you know, other episodes. So I'd definitely love to to continue talking with you about these topics if you're up for that in the future. Absolutely, yes. There is I mean, there is so much to to go more in depth into it and um yeah, and basically unwrap what is all behind there. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for, for joining me and for, um, yeah, for sharing all of your amazing wisdom. And I look forward to seeing you or speaking with you 
I'm not seeing you unless I'm going to Spain. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking with you um, again sometime soon on the show. Thank you, Raquel. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Big pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.